that was a good one. That was crisp. I was not wow. expecting it to be that fucking crispy. Oh my goodness, uh, the high definition. Hello. Hello. <laughs> the high definition. Hello, everyone. Uh, good afternoon, good morning, good afternoon, good night. Welcome to our second mailroom episode. Yay! Mm, exciting. It means we have more shit to talk about. Y'all are in for it. Yeah, we've had a lot of, we've had a lot of, um, uh, we have a couple months worth of uh, wonderful emails that you guys have sent uh, and, and questions that we're going to answer and questions that we're going to ask each other and some statements we will make change and opinions and things like that. So, things and things um, and things and things. And things and things and things are didn't. like a debt. So, exactly. anyway, um, first off, Bryn, how Jenny, in the heck are you doing? Jenny, I am doing just swell. I'm just doing so good. As I told you before, I don't have a hangover, but I do have the closest thing to a hangover I've ever experienced, um, in that I'm just super tired. And uh, it is probably as a result of, I went, so, to celebrate my uh, recent birthday, I went out with one of my friends last night to my own work. Like I wasn't working last night, but we just went to the restaurant where I work. Um, and the manager, like one of my favorite managers, super nice guy knew that we were there. So he made sure that all of our drinks were very strong <laughs> and he sent us oh, wow. like, some free drinks and he paid for our entire meal. He sent us like free ice cream. It was we we met we left a massive tip because we love our coworkers. Anyway, um, my coworkers, and it it was great. And then we went out to see John Mulaney at uh, Golden One, which is like the big, you know, stadium. And it was great, and it lasted the big one. The big one. It lasted until the wee hours of the morning, and I laughed so hard I could mm. not breathe at one point. I mean, I was crying, crying, laughing. It felt so good to laugh like that. So my voice is a little scratchy. I'm very tired, but otherwise, I'm just doing so swell. Jenny, Jenny, dearest, how are you today? Bryn, dearest, I'm, <laughs> I'm doing okay. Uh, I've got a stomachache because. All right. Again. I got too much sleep. Yeah, I got too much sleep. Um, and so I was like, I'm gonna get a double shot coffee. First uh, and So and double shots are are tall boys. First of all, so there's a lot of coffee involved. Um, so I got that, mm-hmm. and I drank it all, mm-hmm. and then I was like, oh shit, I need a um something to crack open for the intro and I already drank my coffee and I was like, okay, um, I guess I'll go to the landing and find something else. And they didn't have any cans of soda. And the only other cans they had were like high octane energy drinks. And I'm like, I can't do that right now. But you know what I will do? A nitro cold brew. So what I cracked open was my nitro cold brew. And I'm now starting to like, I put my leg, my finger on my neck and I'm like having a little bit of trouble breathing. (laughs) You know, you don't have, even though I've only taken like, you know you don't have to I've drink taken like it. three sips of it. You just cracked it open. I do. I, I do need to drink it. Oh my god, this could have been completely it's a waste of my I money. have a LaCroix in my fridge that I could have cracked open as the cold one for but the I intro. wanted to crack open it too. Alright. We both could have done it, Bryn. Well, but anyway, no, I offered um, before we start, and you were like, no, 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 I got it covered. I'll tell you what it is when when we start the episode. No, 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 no. I'm oh, fine. oopsie. Mm-hmm. So this is your oopsie fault. Oopsie poopsie. Yeah, but that's okay. It's okay. I need all the energy I can get because I'm also I've still got rehearsals. Mm, well, if and, your arteries um, we're just finally kind of starting burst, we know we know the reason. Yeah, 
I'll be fine. I'm a big kid. Um, but yeah, I actually, I've been having an okay week. I had a lovely day yesterday. It mm. was so warm in Ashland. Yeah. It got like 85 degrees. Ugh. No, no, no. It was lovely. It was lovely. I got to wear shorts. I got to wear a tank top. I was like walking around. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is great. I even like, I went to Emigrant Lake. Uh-huh. And by the time... <laughs> The bro, I went to. The intent was to go swimming, mm. but by the time we got there, um, it was like six o'clock, and it was starting to get cooler and cooler. And I was like, "Oh no, oh no, we're not gonna have enough sun to justify going swimming." And so I was like, "I, I'm in my swimsuit. I need to swim at least like once." And so, uh, we went to the dock where the the rowing happens. Um, <laughs> and we all, I was there with two of my friends, and we jumped off the dock, and that water was ice fucking cold mm-hmm. and it was like immediately i jumped in immediately like went into shock i was like oh, i need to get out of here i need to get out of here now this I need to get out of here now. my legs like were numb it was <laughs> awful but like the fucking maggie if any if you humble listeners remember maggie, oh, maggie. um <laughs> my my roommate currently she was a, a long distance uh like like swimmer and so she was out there for like 20 minutes in the ice cold water and she was like, you just got to keep moving around until your legs go numb. And then you'll be fine. And I was like, no. And she was in like a bikini. And I was like, I don't know how you're alive. Mm. But wow. uh, wow. other than that, we hung out with some friends. I, uh, They were smoking weed. I wasn't smoking weed. But Fair enough. Um, we, then we went to Creekside. And it was a real bummer because the way Oregon law works, I think, is that like at bars, people past 9 p.m., people over 21 literally, or under 21 literally can't be in the room. Mm-hmm. Like, they can't be in there. So the waitress took our orders and was like, oh, by the way, can I check all of your IDs? And we had two people who were only 20, and it was really sad to watch them go. That's so dumb. But, um, it's so dumb! Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but, yeah. But other than that, my week's been good. Sorry, I, I, dumped <laughs> i was okay i dumped um, all good that's good we all we both took a dump um <laughs> you know you know how it is i'm glad you had such you know a good how it is. got to take a dump yeah it was it was fun what bar did um, you go to in ashland there's like three. we went to creekside oh dope you said yeah, that. we went to you the only that. one that's open yeah 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 it's the only one that's open like past 10 <laughs> yeah i don't know if any it's of open till i think like 1 30 listeners have been to ashland but it's like the entire town is about 400 square feet it's really it's, it's i'm not, I mean, not really, everything it's is so with, everything in ashland is is within like a five minute drive pretty pretty much pretty much like unless you count like ride. phoenix and talent yeah and it's only unless 10... you count phoenix and talent as, as ashland i don't some people do um, i don't either <laughs> it's no um and it's only a 10 minute drive because the roads are really weird and you've got to like go especially in downtown ashland just like one street it's like there's just a, they're just weird so that's it add it adds like another three minutes to your drive wherever you're going um and yeah it's a, it's kind of a touristy town in some aspects mm-hmm. so and there's a lot of old people that live there it's like a it's like a subtle retirement uh town yeah there's either old <laughs> for people rich people or young people. um rich old people or broke young people yeah and they hate each other yeah 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 that's the thing the, the there's two pop two main populations of Ashland. There's rich old people, like mm-hmm, you said, and then mm-hmm. broke college students, and then also a homelessness population that's really concerning. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And uh, uh, because of the fact that the, all of the old people here are rich, the businesses want to cater to them. So they all close at like 5 or 5.30 or 6. Mm-hmm. Like the only places that are really open for a long time are some restaurants, uh, Creekside, which is open until like 1.30. And it then sounds like, like a retirement home, I don't but know. it's a bar. Martoli's is open until 9, but like... <laughs> That's what matters. It's not the same. <laughs> Yeah, um, it's so frustrating. Remember when we, uh, Jenny and I, as we all know, were roommates our first our first year of college, and they were roommates. Um, and we went out for Jenny's birthday, like right when we first got to college. I think it was like our second week there, and we yeah, went out to dinner with our sweet mates, and we went to this like random really nice restaurant for dessert because they were the only place in Ashland that served creme brulee and Jenny needed creme brulee oh, for yeah. her birthday. We were I the only this. people, the four of us were the only people in that dining room under 65 and you, and like everyone it was, so was staring odd. at us. It was so It was so odd, odd and weird. Yeah. It was so weird. So weird. But, but so yeah. But the food was good. The creme brulee was great. The creme brulee was good. I gotta say, can I can I reveal some of my truth to you? Yes, absolutely. Cheesecake has taken the cake. Really? As my my top two dessert. Uh, now that brulee. I finally know creme brulee, how to make creme brulee for now you. it's too it's too rich for me. Mm. Creme brulee is. But weirdly enough, cheesecake is fine. <laughs> I don't know. Weird. You're um, just, your palate is changing in your old age. So strange. Yeah, I'm really I'm really growing and changing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. Crazy. Yeah. Ashland is a town. It is a town that exists. <laughs> Um, the town that exists, uh, I quite like it. It's 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 aside from its yeah. myriad of problems, it's yeah. it's nice. Sacramento, it's beautiful. Oh, can I can I share with you a joke from? Oh yes. Can I share tell with you about, a joke? Tell me about your joke. Um, for, so last night at the John Mulaney concert, I will not share any of the details except for this because it's like Sacramento specific, and we all like signed a thing, um, because the special's not out yet, um. Oh. Anyway, nobody laughs harder at Sacramento jokes than Sacra- people from Sac. Um, so he got up on stage and he was like, wow, what a great city. You guys have got everything. You've got the Capitol and a Nordstrom rack. And that's it. <laughs> Which is very yeah. true. It's literally the Nordstrom <laughs> rack in Sacramento is like takes up an entire city block, basically. Like that's it's funny. Huge. We have the Capitol and a Nordstrom rack. And then he was on the roof. He was telling us he was on the roof, and he like pointed to the to the tower bridge, and he was like, "Oh, what's that?" And his tour guide was like, "That's the bridge." Oh, <laughs> that's the bridge. <laughs> what's it do? It's like, oh, well, you see, it separates Sac from West Sac. Oh, that's is funny. that it? Yeah, it's funnier when he was telling it, but everyone was dying because it's no, like, no, I like that's it. That's all it does. That <laughs> it doesn't do it's anything. A it's it's not like it's the Golden Gate Bridge where it's like a marvel of architecture and people they're like ah oh, there's a Golden Gate Bridge no it's the, it's like it's it's like a hundred feet long and everyone's like this is a bridge it's a bridge <laughs> it's a bridge it goes over you the water it's bridge it's the only bridge you go, if you want to get to West Side, you got to go across a bridge that's it like it's, it's a bridge <laughs> it's a bridge <laughs> he's like okay um. Anyway, like the entire room was dying, I think, like right off the bat, because we all love it when you make fun of Sacramento, because we deserve it. It's terrible. It's very boring. No, 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 no. Okay, as a one time visitor to Sacramento, 
I enjoyed myself. I enjoyed myself. There was a lot of fun things to do. That thrift shop we went to was great. That restaurant we went to was yummy. And I really like your art museum. What restaurant did we go to? I don't know. It was like a... I think it was like a Italian something. It was Italian lunch. After we... We went for lunch. It was... I don't know if it was in downtown. Um... But it was right by the thrift shop. Uh, we had I had pasta. You had pasta or Mexican food. I I can't fucking remember. It was like a little cafe kind of place. It wasn't. I don't know if it counts as a restaurant. It wasn't it was Pancake small. Circus, was it? No, we did not go to Pancake Circus. You would have Circus, remembered it. But I remember. I remember being like, "Oh my god, look at all those clowns! So cute." Oh, it's like haunted in there. The entire, the inside of that restaurant, I've been in there. It's a diner that is circus themed and clown themed. And um, I love that. Yeah. All the windows on the inside are draped with black fabric. So you can't see in or out. Like it's very specific. It's, it's very suspicious. Um, But the food. That sounds like the ideal location. Are you kidding? Because that is so fucking funny. It's like this liminal space. Mm-hmm. It's so creepy. You I want to no go. Idea what that time seems it is iconic. When you go in there. Yeah, you, we should definitely it's like go. It's a casino. Exactly. It's the casino of circus themed diners. It's the casino of circus themed pancake diners. Mm. Anyway. Also, it's got clowns. And I love clowns, you guys. I love I clowns. Love clowns. Uh, it started as an ironical love, and now it's like a genuine appreciation of clowns. Whenever I, love I see clowns. A, pl- a clown meme, I, love- I will send it to Jenny. Yeah, yeah. Whenever Bryn's on like her Pinterest, on her Pinterest, and she comes across like a vintage clown thing, she'll send it to me. Mm-hmm. Like I just, I love them. I started, uh, um, I started. I think I talked about my my porcelain collection, and like mm-hmm. my newest member is a little is a little wooden. He's not porcelain, so but he's still part of the friends. He's still part of the crew. Okay. He's a little wooden clown named Giuseppe, because Maggie's mom now knows um, that if ever she finds something clown related, to give it to me. There you go. Especially if it's a vintage clown. Yeah, of I course. I love it so much. I know you do. I'm and... literally, and I, I'm, I'm literally unironically like uh, Eleanor Shellstrop's house, in in, uh, in the good place. <laughs> I literally have a nook. clown corner. I love. The, yeah, I, I have do a clown love nook. clowns. Yeah. Can't wait for you to have your own clown nook when you when you have your. Own I can't house. wait to have my own house mm-hmm. so I can have a clown nook just for the clown nook, specifically. And what was I gonna say? Oh, oh my god. The other day we were talking about clowns at work and um that I okay, I was I was briefly explaining to Jenny I got into a big old debate, a big old fight with my sous chef over Batman about the new Batman movie cuz mm. he didn't like it. And as we all know, I love it. Um anyway, so this same sous chef and I got into a different big old fight about clown school the other day and he was like no Ren you went to clown school you're going to clown school right now and I was like you're going to clown school in the fall what are you going to be a business major that's clown school buddy you're going to the clown school (gasps) for fools and then I had a moment where in the back of my head clown school for fools which is a song made up by Jenny and I to the tune of the YMCA we made this up. We made this song up at like one in the morning when we were both having like a full it's time. mental breakdown. Oh, is it time? Anyway, you explain. It's time. You explain. Oh, basically, it was it was like we referred to it affectionately as crackhead hours. Mm. Um, we were very sleep deprived, very tired. Mm-hmm. It was like almost 
It was 11.30, which freshman year, Jenny, that was late. Yeah, that was late for us. It's no longer late for me. That was late for us. Um, And we were just, we were writing an expo marker on the on the mirrors. <laughs> <laughs> we were writing an expo marker on the mirrors. We were writing out the lyrics for the Con School for Fools. For the Con School for Fools. And we were singing it. Yeah, we might have mentioned that on the show before, but I don't think we mentioned that because I just remembered we literally wrote it on the mirrors. Yeah, and you were drawing. And we didn't erase it for a while. You drew Bingus the Clown on the mirrors and the eyes would follow me whenever I was getting met. Like the mirrors were our closet mirrors and they were like the eyes would follow me whenever I went to go get dressed. Like. And you and I was not allowed to erase Bingus the Clown. No, you're not allowed to erase Bingus the Clown. I think I did erase him at one point. Um, but What the fuck, Bryn? I know. Well, we had to move out unexpectedly. Uh, I wish I had more time to paint. Oh, yeah, tragic. I wish we had more time to... I wish I had more time to uh, paint things. Because mm-hmm. I really want to add some more more clowns to my collection. Oh, you should. Paintings. You should. I only have the four, and I really want, like, some more. Um, oh, I'll put them on my door. <laughs> and then... It'll make me feel a more. <laughs> okay. You know? Uh-huh. I rhymed more with a more, which doesn't really count. I know. But you know what? What We'll give it to you. We'll allow it. Um, Thank you. Um, that was a long exposition, and I feel like I feel compelled to somehow, without transition and without any sort of grace, bring us back into the Animorph subject. Ah! We sh- you know, the topic of this... The, I mean, the reason that we are having this. The reason that episode. we're recording this right now. Right, right, right. Yes, yes. Um, uh, I believe we're... So the way that this works is the way it's going to work. Last time, we're going to go through some emails people have sent us. Um, and we're going to uh, uh, read them aloud and, and, and mm-hmm. answer any things they might comment on. Right, um, and, um, and maybe might, our, our minds will change. <laughs> yeah, we we're probably gonna go through some of the um, the books since our last fan mail special. If we have anything that any opinions that we want to revise or um, anything that we want to be like, ha, I told you, um, we'll do that. We'll be yeah dicks about that. Um, and then at the end of the uh, family episode, which are probably going to take up a, a nice chunk of time, Jenny and I have some questions for each other just regarding like the upcoming books and in terms of like comments, concerns, predictions, etc. Um, yeah. So that's going to be fun. It's going to be a fun time. Uh, it is a fun time already. We've talked about clowns for for a good amount of time so now let's get into the clowning itself um yes welcome to clown school <laughs> welcome to clown school nerds sit down take notes um jenny where do we want to start we have several emails i believe we shall start with um i'm going to start with uh an email we received in november oh we're getting from right Absinthe, into it. who some of you we're getting right into it yeah because this is the longest one and i think it's really really good for discussion uh, and it might take us into a bit more serious note, but oh, since yeah. when do we? This is a this is a podcast of tonal whiplash. So if you're not used to that now, I don't that know what to so tell true. you. Um, but this is an email responding to some of our comments that we made in the Horcruxer Chronicles, and it's it's just a continuation of our the discussion uh, about Aldrea. Yeah, because we're never going to be done. And the email is 
with talking about her. <laughs> and we also have the context of the last book that she was in when she came back um, and uh, pulled her guy. No, possessed Cassie a little bit. Possessed Cassie. Possessed yes. Cassie. So we have some of that context now. Um, so, so. So we're so we're working with a little bit more than when this email was sent to us in November and we never got back to you. Absent November, and I'm very sorry, absent. Yeah, it is now exactly. We we were going to six months later. A long time. Yeah, yeah. We were going to write out a response, but I personally felt like it would be best to talk for sure. Yeah, talk talk about it. Like we went to go write write this email, and we were like. No, <laughs> we were like no. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna. This so is gonna I, require verbal words. This is going to require verbal verbal things. Verbal. So I'm going to. Uh, this is quite a lengthy email, so I'm just going to read it all out, um, okay. just so we can get the full context, and so we're not missing anything. But here we Deep go. Breath. So Deep breath. Uh, this email is called "On Aldrea and On Colonialism," sort of. Hey, Bryn and Jenny, I wasn't expecting a shout-out in this week's episode, but as ever, when people are talking about the Horcrugier and about Aldrea, I have thoughts, and I wanted to try to answer a question you guys seem to have about how Aldrea is framed in the story. You were curious as to why she's treated like a morally gray heroine who did some questionable things rather than a racist villain who did war crimes, I think. that At least that was my impression. And I can try to give some context? One reason Aldrea stood out to me was that the 90s were the decade of white people going native in Hollywood. We had Dances with Wolves in the first part of the decade, and then Pocahontas in 1995, and countless variations on the the natives and the settlers can get can share the land and get along, or the real villains are these specific bad white people, and there are good white people, and most white settlers are good in media responding to or imitating those films. Even fantasy stuff like Fern Gully is fundamentally about how one good guy comes into a pre-colonial society and has to learn that destroying it is bad. There's not a lot of awareness of institutional wrongdoing on the part of these societies that commit crimes against indigenous people or exploit natural resources through colonialism. There's a sort of pat on the head of, you'd be the one of the good white people, like this guy, and not much more examination than that. Aldrea, in contrast to Kevin Costner's character, whose name I can never remember, or to Disney's take on John Smith, or to descendants of that archetype like Jake and Sully, like Jake Sully in Avatar, is very flawed, and her racism and her prejudices have to be actively challenged and outgrown. On top of that, she doesn't see anything wrong with using the hork for her own ends, even if the ultimate cause is a good one. She drags them into war with very little regard for what is being lost. It takes more than one Colors of the Wind sequence for her to realize that, oh, the people she's doing this to are people, and their ways of knowing and ways of being aren't primitive. She reads to me, somebody who grew up steeped in these narratives, more like a critique of the idea that a hero settler going native could be instantly cured or never fuck up again than either a straight reproduction of that trope or a racist villain. That's the biggest reason she's more of an ambiguous figure. She ex- almost exists to call out both sides of the 90s attempts to, co- to talk about indigenous issues and be, repre- and be presented as a more realistic view of what happens in situations where intermarriage between indigenous people and outsiders occur. One thing I didn't mention in my first email because I really don't like bringing it up as a gotcha or a demand that people pay attention to me and I always feel like it's going to come across that way is that I'm personally invested in this kind of thing because I'm not white and I'm not a settler. I'm native, indigenous American Cherokee Nation. And while I grew up apart from my fam- apart from my tribe, my family still lives in Taliqua, Oklahoma, which is our capital after being relocated out of Appalachia. Eldrea going nothlete and mar- intermarrying and the complicated legacy she leaves behind is relevant to my immediate ancestry. 
My great-grandparents attempted to assimilate, and I, like many other Native people, also have white ancestry and don't look, quote-unquote, stereotypically Indian. I have more in common than Toby than I do somebody like Dak. Can I say my sympathy for Aldrea as a fuck-up who is trying her best and genuinely loves the people she's chosen to marry is into isn't a reflection of my own sympathy for my European antecedents? No, but I also don't have never-ending sympathy for her. She did the best she could and conce- could conceive of doing, but she made a lot of errors. But she loved her husband and her son and gave her life for the resistance movement. She's imperfect, but by the end of her life, she doesn't hold on to any kind of paternalist, paternalistic or condescending opinions about the Horpusier. She's loyal to them, and she considers herself one of them, and has called out her own people for their flaws, while also being showcased in an unforgiving light that reveals she's got a lot of problems of her own and imperfections. I feel like I'm defending her a lot more, a lot between her and Dak, and I definitely like Dak more. This is weird, lol. I'm also not sure what war crime is it you, you, is you think you hold Aldrea responsible for? The virus being released wasn't her doing, even when Aldrea's responsibility is as diminished as it is in the in Horkbizier Chronicles, as opposed to how he frames it in the Andalite Chronicles. And organizing a native population into a resistance that fights and kills for its continued freedom is pretty standard procedure, and as far as I know, doesn't violate the Geneva Conventions. Her motives are sus, and kind of gross, but her actions don't qualify as anything out of the ordinary for warfare. A final note, a postscript, if you will. You said in your response to my first letter, I'm calling these letters, they're certainly long enough, that Andalites are colonizers. The major reason why I find myself standing them and defending them is because I don't think that series su- that the series supports that point. A lot of things the Andalites do in-universe are things that human colonizers have done, particularly exploration and scientific research, but those things don't aren't colonialism on their own. Studying the Horkbjir because they're a primitive race is gross because it dismisses their sapience, but that's not establishing a colony for Andalites to live on or treating the planet like it's natural resources for Andalite consumption and use. And occupying slash blockading the Yurk homeworld is standard military procedure even here on Earth during wartime. Colonialism implies the spread of Andalites as a species with the intent of establishing populations across the galaxy. And imperialism implies the spread of an empire, and they don't seem interested in doing either of those things. I'll, I'll admit that my standards on this are only my own, and that I'll have very different perspectives as a North American indigenous person than, say, someone living in Southeast Asia or Africa or the Pacific. I've had conversations on Tumblr that boil down to, you and I have suffered from colonialism in different ways, and our view on Andalite military behavior is going to be very different as a result. I know I'm just one voice in that conversation. But I do want to say that colonialism and imperialism are more than just exploring different planets and being kind of prejudiced dicks to their local inhabitants. And Andalites don't, by my standards, do any of the things that would qualify being motivated by either of those ideologies. Unfortunately, they're just garden variety xenophobes. If you read this massive missive, I am both extremely grateful and very sorry for the fact that I seem to be incapable of not dumping a couple thousand words on you. Still, despite all that, you're both wonderful hosts, and this remains my absolute favorite podcast. Yours, Absinthe. So, <laughs> that's the full email in its context. No, no, no. Uh, yes, actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, sorry if that was really fucking long. I just, I wouldn't feel comfortable not including all of the context, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. Thank you for reading okay. it. I'll read the next one. You're good. Rest. Rest. I'll, I'll have to take, take a second. So, since I'm resting, would you like to say your thoughts on this email first? Um, honestly, for this email, I feel like we can't have separate thoughts i feel like this is more of a discussion so i'm just gonna you know what i mean you know what i mean like i think the normal way that we do it with our episodes is and sometimes sometimes i think like hmm maybe we shouldn't do our our thoughts separate because a lot of the times one of us will 
will end up going first. And then we have like a huge long, long tangent. And then the second one is just like, yeah, I agree. <laughs> what you said. Yeah. So sometimes I don't love that, especially when we're on the same page or when we disagree with something. I like. I think this calls for more of a di- like a discussion. Yeah. That's collaborative than me going first, but I, I can keep right, talking if you if you want to rest your voice. Um, words. words no, words, no, words. I'm fine. I was okay. just, I was just joking. <laughs> I'm fine. Okay. Um, okay. So where should God, we start with yeah. this? Let's start with thanking Absinthe. Thank you, Absinthe, for this email. Thank you, Absinthe. Um, And we are so sorry, again, for like the fourth time that we haven't responded to you since you sent this in November. Um, Secondly- Sorry for ghosting you. Sorry for ghosting you, yeah. Also, please, like, and this this applies to every single one of our listeners, please never apologize for dumping a couple hundred thousand billion million words on us. We love it. We love these emails, even if we don't respond to you right we away or in the next six months. We asked for a, a, a we, we we always am ask are asking for essays. We love essays. We love a good essay and we love it when people like respond to what we're saying on the podcast and then critique it and challenge it and then be like here's a letter do with it what you will. Here you go. I, we love that. Yeah. It's like one of our favorite parts of the podcasting process in our, of our job. So thank you for sending this and please never apologize yes. for sending us a big ass email because we love it. Even if we don't respond to you right away. Um, sorry. I, you know how I just said like, Oh, we should, we should not take turns because <laughs> this should be like a, like a back and forth yeah. thing. And then I just ended up talking a bunch. Um, sorry. No, <laughs> sorry, it's fine. No, you're, um, you're, I read a fucking giant thing. You're fine. <laughs> I, I, we, we, you're allowed. It's a podcast. We're podcast. allowed to talk. Right. It's a, it's <laughs> That's our job. job. We're so good um, at our job. I think this is a good amount of context I, that we were, I, I don't know. Personally. I definitely, I, 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 oof, I think mm, I'm trying to figure out what I think even and how to phrase it. Right. We've only had you know? six months to respond to this email. Yeah, you know, we've only had six months. And I have and to like, be honest, I really wanted to, I did I wanted to have the time to like reread, honestly, like reread the Horcruiture Chronicles and like see if there's other context that I missed. Cause I do I th- I personally think that one of my toxic traits is that I like I get very uh I'm not very logical sometimes. Like I literally will just have an emotional reaction and I'll be like that's my opinion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's weird because I'm, I'm taking a I'm taking uh, an ethics class right now, and we were talking about emotivism, and basically that's <laughs> that's emotivism. And and the person writing our textbook was like, "This is wrong, and here's why." And I'm like, "Oops, whoops, <laughs> shit." <laughs> so I'm gonna try to logic this. <laughs> that's okay. I think we're we're uh, well suited to uh, both be fucks up fuck ups in this. In this area because I had I was in like uh advanced lit for like most of my school career in middle school and all of high school so I know that I have a tendency to like over analyze everything and like pick things apart and then sub- apply meaning to things where there maybe is not meaning and yeah overanalyze things apply meaning where there is none and a lot of the times it can be the wrong meaning um and then i'm like yeah i'm right 
that's that's my i was like yeah i i analyzed it i'm done this is i i did it once i'm done this is what it is um so we're i think we're both kind of similar in that way yeah um now back to the email <laughs> now back to the email i think um i think uh um the main point of contention here is like the question of whether Aldrea does change that much, you know, because I think you and I sort of felt that Aldrea did not really change out of this like uh, uh lib right, like very American liberal idea of of her opinions of the Hork Bajir. Yeah. You know, it's it's not that she's like a, a raving like conservative, you know, like what what one could would consider the stereotype of a racist, but it's a very different kind of racism. But yeah. I don't know. Okay. I uh, have I think I are what? Okay. I feel like I've organized my thoughts in the past 2 seconds. To Okay, good. Cuz I haven't okay, I'm great. talking on my ass. All right, awesome. Um Okay, I'm just gonna I'm gonna source from the letter. First of all, I think that Absinthe did a really like a good service to us bringing up the context of the '90s political landscape, um, yes. which we don't have the benefit of knowing because we were not around in the '90s, and um, people don't talk about this kind of thing. Like this is not it's, it's not like we learned about the '90s political landscape uh, anywhere school context you know like anywhere um so it is really good to have that context and i think from the little that i know about the 90s political landscape just from this email i would agree that aldrea is not that like that kevin cosner i don't remember his name in that movie either uh the guy who danced with the wolves right right that kind of thing um like that that does not seem to be what she is. She's she's very flawed, very uh, abrasive, very um, a very like very much so a subversion of that trope, which I think for the '90s is very good. Um, like that's a that's a good thing that Kay Applegate did to subvert that trope, and we can acknowledge that that it's from the '90s. Um, those were the standards. That was the landscape. That was the climate. This is the subversion of the trope. Okay, we have that context. That is great. Now we have to acknowledge that we're looking at this from the context of two very young people raised in the 2000s, um, talking about these books from the 90s in 2022, um, where things are like incredibly different. Where in cancel culture, like everybody is hyper woke, everybody, um, like we have Twitter, Blech, gross. So we, yeah. yeah, we have, you know what I mean. We have Twitter. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like that, you know what I mean. Twitter. That encapsulates it. We have Twitter. We have Twitter. <laughs> like I feel like that. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean. Um, so so yeah. we're looking at this from a very different perspective than when the book was written. Like not necessarily the lens that this book was intended to be viewed from when it was written. So I think we have to acknowledge that. And I think that's a lot where a lot of our disconnect between how we interpret Aldrea comes from and between, I mean, how we interpret 
Aldrea versus somebody who read this originally in the 90s when it was published might interpret yeah. her. I agree. Um, so, so like, I really appreciate Absinthe for bringing that up um, because I personally did not have that context before this email. I did not know any yeah. of that. <laughs> um, um, so um, I think that's a really good thing and we just have to acknowledge that. And I think that's all, that's where a lot of our opinions and um, the discord between these views come from. Um, yes. Yeah. Um, and I think something, uh, a piece of discord, I guess, that comes up for me is the fact that, yes, I do think Aldrea is um, a subversion of this, like, Kevin Costner dances with wolves, I'm the one good white guy, like, thing. I think that's a, a thing that does happen in this book because we're shown that the Andalites are not the good guys and that Aldrea is not the, the one bad one or the one good one. The Andalites literally built a a, a, a um, biological warfare bomb with the intent of killing everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a thing that happens. However, I, I still maintain this point that I don't think she's condemned enough for her beliefs and for her actions. Specifically, the war hawking that she does with her hork troops. And I guess that gets into this, like, war crimes argument. And I do, I do want to say I am fucking facetious in so many things that I do. And it's another one of my toxic traits. So, is it so much of a war crime? No. I will admit, that's just kind of wartime behavior is to send people to die in war. That's how war works. People going to die. But, I still think that she could have been shown to be more wrong than she was. And I think a large part of that is the fact that the romance happens between the two of them. And if Dakami were to, if his character was more of a realization that, no, this woman that he loved is not who he thought she was and is in fact someone who continues to do bad things and really only gets like a, a, um, a, a, what's it called? Not retribution. Uh, 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 fuck, what's it called when, like, a character, like, Redemption. changes and grows for the better? Redemption. If, it, if he realized that she never, at least to me, in my opinion, never got a good enough redemption arc to justify the two of them being together, if he realized that, I think that would have been a more poignant storytelling of this particular story. Does that make sense? And I think that's just where our differences may lie, is how much we think Aldrea redeems herself. And I maybe, I do want to to take some some time and reread the Hork-Bajir Chronicles some, at some point. Um, do I have time to read a 94-page book right now? No. <laughs> but at some point, I would like to reread it, and, and maybe my opinion will change. But I still do maintain that for me personally, it, it she does not change enough. Mm-hmm. And that's just kind of where I stand on her. For sure. And I and I don't and I don't I don't believe her redemption. And I don't believe I, I believe she loved Doc and I believe she loved her son. I do not believe that she loved the Hork Bajir people. I don't. I just don't buy it. You know? And that was sort of my main flaw when reading the Horkbridger Chronicles too. Well, my main flaw with the book, and it still continues to be. Um, 
But yeah, I could be misinformed. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I've been thinking about Aldrea. Like, sometimes I just think about her and why why don't we like her when we like other female characters that are kind of in her same vein? Like, I'm not explaining this well. Do you mean, like, why do we like Taylor, but we don't like Aldrea? Yeah, and I think it. I think when they have similar personalities, yeah, not necessarily Taylor, but, like, but yeah. Visser 1? Um, or Visser 1. Like, why do we like them, but we don't like Aldrea? And I think it's because um, of the way they're framed. It's that we can... Hold on. Let me order my thoughts here. It's time. Oh, okay. It's time to order those thoughts. It's time to order those thoughts. I think my main problem with Aldrea is is the fact that from the beginning of the book, she is framed in a way where it's like, oh, Aldrea is is um like is is good, and you should like her. She's the hero of the more. She's the hero of this story. That's it. Whereas. If a character is framed from the get-go as like, oh, this this character is doing bad things, this character is flawed, um, whether it's it's said outright or it's just kind of framed in that way, it is easier to accept a redemption. And I think the concept of redemption is like is a whole different bucket of worms. Like that's a whole different thing that that we don't need to get yes. into. Not every character needs to be redeemed. Not every character can be redeemed. And that's not necessarily like a reflection of a writer or of a story. That's a choice that everybody makes. And that's okay. Not every character needs to be redeemed. And not everybody, not every character needs to like have a redemption arc that other characters acknowledge to be good. Um, it really ties into that like very Christian concept of forgiveness and all of that. Um, but I think what I do, what, like what rubs me the wrong way about Aldrea is that she's just like, she is so very flawed and people seem to, not people as in like readers, but just people within the narrative seem to ignore her flaws. And it's frustrating. Like in that second in that in that book where she comes back and possesses Cassie, even though they listened to that whole story, it's like every character ignored her flaws from the get-go, which makes it hard for her to have a redemption if she was never it, it like if she was never flawed in the first place. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think that's like another I think that's just what annoys me about her. Um and I agree with you that I don't think she loved the hork to begin with. Like, I think she loved Dak, and I think she loved her son, for sure. But I don't think when she, in the hork chronicles, when she used them to stand up to um, the Yerks, it was doing it out of love for her, for the hork people. It was framed as it was for revenge. And I feel like... yes. It, I mean, it was for revenge, and that's how it was framed in the book, too. That's what it felt like to me. Um, because she even had a couple of sequences where she was like, I'm using Dak and his people, and he knows it. 
but this is what he like, but this is necessary to free his people. And that's what he wants. So he's going to go along with it. And I felt like that was where a lot of her struggle and a lot of, of her like inner conflict kind of came from. And I think that would be, and like, I, I don't want to ignore that because I think that's a valuable part of her character. I don't know. I don't know. I just think ignoring her flaws is a disservice to her as a character because characters can be flawed. That is okay. Um, yeah. And I, I don't think... And if Oh, sorry. And no, it's just... And if other characters in the book like, are like, oh, no, she's not flawed. It just feels like a disservice. I don't know. She just feels like an incomplete, slightly wrong character. And I don't know why. And I, I, agree. I can't uh, describe it in the way that I want to. So I'm yeah. sorry. And I do want to just clarify, we're not saying that Absinthe is ignoring no, no, no. Uh, uh, Aldrea's flaws. Yeah, we're talking strictly the about the characters in the narrative. Yeah, no. Yeah. Absinthe they ignore really, her flaws. really solid points um, about how we perceive Aldrea as a character, just uh, as as outside voyeurs, as readers. And like that's a completely separate issue of, of how readers perceive Aldrea and how characters perceive Aldrea are different things. Um, and they're different issues. We're just talking about how characters within the novel, within the story, perceive Aldrea and, and the weird problems within that. This has nothing to do with us and Absinthe at this moment. Yeah. I should have made that clear. Thank you, Joni. Us and abs like we're like we're at war. <laughs> we're, we're not at war. <laughs> we're, uh, we're fighting. Uh, we're not. We're not fighting. We're not fighting. Uh. Anyway. Um. Yeah. I think it's 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 a weird, it's a weird thing, and yeah, I, I've probably made this point. I can barely ever remember like what I say on the show and what I don't say on the show. But like, I guess that's what makes the Horror Picture Chronicles such like a missed opportunity for me. And I do think it has something again to do with the fact that this book was written in the 90s Mm -hmm. and and our knowledge uh and our language around colonialism and imperialism has changed and the way we you know talk about stories involving native people has changed and i think this book while being ahead of its time is also so in its time and i do think it has not aged as gracefully my personal opinion is that my personal caucasian opinion is that it has not aged all that gracefully in terms of how we actually talk about issues involving indigenous populations and people yeah you know for sure and i do think aldrea is a huge part of that Um, and it's a shame because i think this story could have been really good It's weird. It's it's weird that both of our mailroom episodes, a large chunk, has been dedicated to talking about the Horror Picture Chronicles. It's just a bunch of yeah. It's a contestable point. I don't know. Um, yeah, it is a contestable point. Yeah, and and I don't remember if we talked about this really in our last episode, but we do have to acknowledge that we're we're both white. You often pander to my English yes. roots. Um, yes, I mock your English roots. <laughs> you do, but you also pander to my English. Let's roots be clear. We're talking about French people. Um, but no, I. Uh-huh. France, but uh, no, we should mock my English roots because they they suck. Um, I got distracted because I can see a bunch of sheep outside my window. 
Do you want to farm? <laughs> no, they hired. Where is the sheep? They they hired a bunch of sheep and goats. They brought in a bunch of sheep and goats to graze the. Field I'm sorry, what? Outside my house because it's almost wildfire season, so they're eating all the wild mustard. Oh. oh I'm just. I can see hundreds of sheep and goats outside of my window. You should go be friends with them. I should go be. Fr- anyway, so I'm so sorry. We're t- we're having a serious anyway imperialism. Really uh, serious <laughs> discussion about imperialism and colonialism. Let me not bring up the sheep and goats. Um, what was I saying? White people. White people. Mm. Um, we're both white people. Wow. Did you know that? Um, did you know we're white? Did you know that? <laughs> Um, yeah crazy we have to acknowledge that our um perspective on this is inherently flawed there's there's no way that we can possibly be objective about this since we come from a lineage of privilege and colonialism um so our viewpoint is going to be inherently different and maybe not always correct probably not always correct um so I think when we, we mm. you and I, at least I do, have like, but just like, especially in 2022, we have a tendency to overcompensate for that by being like, oh, that's colonialism. That's war crimes. Oh, that's yeah. That. That's what that's I'm talking us. about with the facetiousness. Yeah. yeah. Like that's we're like, oh, trigger words. Uh, that's immediately condemn that very hard because because we have to, because we're overcompensating. Um, and uh, that our facetiousness uh, leads to us like being like, oh, that's war crimes when she didn't actually do war crimes. I was always thinking when we were talking about war crimes, I know I'm on a tangent, um, about like the virus, even though that she didn't set it off. Like I feel She like, didn't set it off. Yeah. I know. I'm... I need to reread the Horcruxer Chronicles too because this is where it gets also. I, I do want to say, um, I do want to say when we call her war crimes Aldrea, part of that is is a joke, you know, and and it always has. It's, it's just like an funny. I'm an overblowing. Uh, that's the joke. I'm doing a Spiders Georg, you know, mm-hmm. thing, <laughs> where like Spiders not Georg. necessarily am I committing her to the to the prison for committing war crimes, but. It's just a funny little nickname that I like to call her. I guess uh, um, slight, uh, uh, quite racist Aldrea would be a better nickname for her. It's true, but more <laughs> times Aldrea. Aldrea is just funnier. It's got a nice ring to it, in my personal opinion. Terribly. You know what? We talk about some, like, it's funny, we're talking about the Horkbashir Chronicles, but we're really just talking about Aldrea. And I feel like we should talk about Dak, because he's just better than her that's just the a- thing is that Dak is a great character and is my favorite character in the Hawkbudger Chronicles but he's not a point of contention like yeah. you know what I mean the reason why we talk about Aldrea is because she gives us a lot to talk about she's controversial Dak is just like good guy good he's person good he's just some guy wish he had better taste in women yeah but you know <laughs> if you guys do it's okay it's okay so um we we love Dak Everybody loves Dak. Because he's the best. Everybody loves Dak. Um, yeah, my one flaw with Dak is that I wish he realized. I don't know. I don't some in some in some instances I don't believe in the power of love. As much as I do believe it in most cases. In this case just specifically, I do not. 
I know. Their their relationship did feel like it was made out of convenience sometimes. Like like it just it stretched belief a little bit too thin for me. Um who already yeah. has a hard time really understanding the power of love in that way. Like I was like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um at times I did like that we got to see in the in the what was it called? Like the prophecy. Um I think I liked that Audrea, you could see that she really loved her son and, and Dak. Like I think her love for them really shown in that book um not in like a very wholesome way but in like i will do absolutely anything to see them again which seems very in line with her character i'm like rethinking about that book the prophecy um i don't like how they framed her as like a hero and you know she's the best she she did all these great things she was not flawed you know all of that but i do like how her her love was portrayed as a very intense I will, like, almost like a vengeful love. Like, like I will do anything to see them again. They were taken from me before their time. I will, um, like, I will do anything to be with them again, even if it means permanently possessing this 14-year-old girl. Um, like, yeah. and I, I thought that was very true to her character. So I did like that. And I and that's where I was like, okay, we have a little bit more uh, instances of her showing her love for Doc and the love that she eventually had for the Horfisher people. I was like, okay, I'll give you that. I can see that. Um, I think if I were to reread the, prof- the prophecy, I would see it more also. Mm. Um, so like, I'm, I, in some ways, I'm glad that she showed back up in the book so we could have a little bit more context when... Um, when talking about Aldrea, uh, so that's nice. Um, yeah. Do you have any more thoughts? My brain. Yes, uh, I do actually. I was just going to say before we move on to the final point made in the email, which is about imperialism. Uh, I do want to say, going back to the question of like, why do we dislike Aldrea when we like Visser One and Taylor? I think a large part of it has to do with what you were talking about with like, Visser 1 and Taylor are never shown to be anything other than villains. They're shown to have complex and tragic backstories, sure, but they're villains through and fucking through. You know, they're villains and we get to not revel in their um not revel in their evil, but we get to experience their evil without the context of them also being portrayed in the narrative as a hero. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like they're not that like the like you were saying, the main problem with Aldrea is that the narrative presents her as a hero, but she's doing bad things, and it doesn't call her out. But with Taylor, for example, she does bad things. The narrative calls her out, and she's not a hero. She's fucking crazy. She's a piece of shit. Yeah, I think I would you know? have been more comfortable if she does bad thing. Aldrea does bad things. The narrative calls her out, and then she works to undo those bad things and to like move on i feel like when the narrative calls out the bad things that gives the character room to grow in any direction either do more bad things or grow as a character and become a hero and it feels earned like the heroism the i don't know the perception of the character from 
other characters in the story feels earned when you can start with something that the narrative calls out. It's like it's like the narrative can't decide what what it wants Aldrea to be. That's what it feels like. Mm. That's what it comes down to. I it's agree. like it's like the narrative she does questionable things. She makes mistakes. She has flaws. That's okay. Um but and like and maybe she makes bad mistakes. That's okay. She's allowed to do that. But the narrative is saying she she doesn't she didn't make mistakes. She's she's a hero. She's a leader for her people. She's a wonderful mother, a wonderful wife. She's a Horpagier, not an Andalite. It's like there's a disconnect between what we're seeing as a reader and what the narrative is telling us. And I think that's what's weird about her. And that's why she's controversial. Yep, that's basically it. There we go. That's my thought. Wow. All right. I think that's it for Aldrea. Probably won't be it in the future. But I don't think she's coming back, you guys. So I think our opinion, until I reread the hork Chronicles, until Brynn and I both reread the hork Chronicles, I think our opinion is honor is kind of set in stone, unfortunately. Yeah, but we do appreciate but, Absinthe um, bringing up all of that context because it did oh, yeah. occur a Super little bit important. in my mind. Like it did, like a little, a few more pieces fell into place as to why she's portrayed in that way and why we perceive her differently than the narrative is telling us how to perceive her. Um, yes. Yeah, and it was just good to hear somebody else's opinion. Things get boring yeah. when we agree all the time. Seriously. Anyway, let's get on to the final point of this email, which is colonialism and its definitions and the relation of the Andalite culture, or, or the Andalite government, really, to colonialism. I want to rectify my statement. Colonialism and imperialism involve the expansion of a group across a, a piece of land and then an exploitation of the indigenous group to that land. The exploitation is the key part. You know, there's that's the difference between, like, just being there and, being and conquering and, uh, and literally being an empire and an imperialist. Mm-hmm. I believe now because of the context there and because we're bringing up the actual definitions of words, the Andalite Empire is not a colonialist empire. Not, they're not an empire at all. The Andalite government are not colonialists. In fact, they're quite xenophobic sometimes. Mm-hmm. The only time they're really not xenophobic is when it involves the studying of other people. Now, one might make the argument that they are scientifically exploiting the hork people or scientifically exploiting the Yerk population, but they are not exploiting them for labor or for resources or bodies like the Yerk Empire is doing. The Yerk Empire, 100% imperialism, that is what they are doing. I take back what I said about the Andalite uh, uh, government being an imperialist force. They are not an imperialist force. However, I still have major problems with what they're doing because what they're doing still feels war hawkish. Mm-hmm. Specifically with the Yerk home planet, the fact that, yes, blockading a planet is normal military procedure, but the fact that the Yerks did nothing and then the Andalites just showed up and blockaded their planet is not an okay thing to do. And I will condemn them for that. And I will also condemn them for their, I guess, 
jingoistic attitude towards war. And I, I am critical of any culture that has like war as a huge element to it. As I think that the Andalites are, it's America, okay? It's, it's, it's America. I think we all can agree that it's supposed to be a metaphor for American government and American attitudes towards um, mm-hmm. other countries. And I condemn America for that too. So I guess that's, that's sort of where I stand on that, is that they're not colonialist, but they're still war hawkish in a very democratic party kind of way. Does that make sense? No, absolutely. Um, and I agree with you. I think that's my opinion on that. But I appreciate being challenged on words because logic and word definitions are very important. Yeah, for sure. Um, I we still should... have no love for the Andalite government in my heart. Sorry. Yeah, no, for sure. But it is important that we that we acknowledge that that's not the right. Those are not the right words to use to describe the Andalite government. We can call them dicks because that's what they are. They're they suck. Um, yeah, pieces of shit. <laughs> um, and that is not, yeah, because that's just their system. It's just, they're assholes. Um, but they're not imperialists and they're not colonizers. I think we can we can still draw comparisons from the Andalites to the Yerks because the Yerks learned a lot from Andalites, but they're not, they don't have the same structure. And Andalites don't physically exploit other people and the way they do. They're like the same except they're they're very much the same except extremes. Um yeah. The Yerks just took what the Andalites did and, and hyped it up <laughs> to like a hundred. And I think though an interesting point is that since the Andalites are pretty clearly supposed to be a metaphor for the United States government, I think it's also a point of the fact that this series was written in the 90s is that you know there was not a lot of common knowledge of the imperialism that America does. Considering this was written pre-9-11, you know, there's not a lot of, uh, of uh, education and, and discussion in the 90s about America's imperialism. Whereas now, it's common knowledge, and you can look it up anywhere you want on the internet that, yes, America has done imperialism in the global south and in the Middle East. And it's it. I'm wondering if if this series it, it becomes another one of those questions of like if this series was written in 2022, I'm wondering if Applegate would have made the Andalites worse to make them more like America. Yeah, it's a good question. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know, but maybe we're wrong, and maybe the Andalites aren't meant to be America. But I guess that's another one of the big problems I have with this series is that. While the Andalites, I th- I'm pretty sure they're clearly meant to be, they don't condemn them all of the time when I think they should. For example, Axe really should not trust his government anymore. And I don't know why he still is proud of his government. <laughs> True. But then again, um, 90s. 2022. 90s. 1998. 2022. 2022. So. Different contexts. Different contexts, um, different common knowledge, um, different different things that Scholastic would publish also. I think we also have to acknowledge that Scholastic was a barrier in Applegate oh, publishing yeah. a lot of what they wanted to publish. Um, so I wonder if Scholastic wasn't in the way, um, if if things might have been different. Yeah, it really we really do need to keep in, 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 in perspective the fact that, while yes, these books are, they talk about these topics, but they still talk about them for kids. 
These books are for tweens. They're not for people who are it who are for twenty somethings in twenty twenty two who have great knowledge of uh, the horrible things America has done. You know, like it's 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 written for a specific audience. And I think what's great about this series is that it approaches these topics in a accessible enough way to where kids can actually begin to think about this in a time when education was pretty bad in the 90s gotta be honest especially public education was pretty heinous um from what i've heard from people who went to school in the 90s and from what i've read of education in the 90s it was a notoriously um not robust system Mm -hmm. uh and the fact that you know these books get published at all is is a miracle Mm -hmm. and of course they're not going to they're not going to talk in depth about it i just in my french vanilla fantasy they would for sure and i think our opinions would be different as well if we had read these as kids and we're rereading them as adults but we're reading them for the first time as adults so our critiques and our opinions are going to be way different than if we had read them you know like 12 years ago when we were supposed to yeah um you can blame our public school systems for not carrying all of the books at once. We couldn't really like. Unless hey, you can you can blame you can blame us for for seeing the covers and being like uh, stupid and then not reading the books. <laughs> they were there. They were there, uh, but we also didn't know. So I'm not gonna judge eleven year old Jenny. I'll ju- I I'll judge eleven year old Bryn so hard. I was baby, so no. I'm not going to judge me. Mm, Too bad. Um, Okay. All right. Any last thoughts pertaining to this particular email? Uh, I think I've covered everything I wanted to say. Mm -hmm. I'm sure... Do you have anything you wanted to say? Honestly, as soon as we hang up, I'm sure I'll be like... Yeah, and we've probably gotten something wrong or incorrect in this little section of the of the thing um so we apologize in advance but i will not be i will not be attacked into changing my opinion not that our fan base is some sort of rabid animal (laughs) our fan base tends to be very logical and kind people (laughs) everybody who Um, sends us email has always been so polite so kind so logical with like very well thought out arguments like Bunch of lit majors. Bunch of lit majors over here. However, I will stand by some of what I say. Because I've noticed something, is that sometimes I can be quite pathetic, and I'm I'm so afraid of conflict that I will immediately concede, and I'm trying to work on that, and not concede. Mm-hmm. I, I understand. If I way. truly believe that I'm right. <laughs> I feel you. Okay. I respect that, and I think our listeners also will respect that. Um, awesome. Awesome. But yeah, I believe that is it for this first email, which is, uh, ah, earthquake, which is the longest one. Yeah. Uh, and I loved it so much. And I think we had a really good discussion. I think we did too. Um, awesome. Just cracked my back. Awesome. Awesome. Ooh, um, nice. All right. All right. Let's get into some other the much less serious emails. Um, I think, should we, should we do the test email? I think we should do book 40. Oh yeah. You're the right. Email. You're right. Okay, uh, on, a, on a much lighter note, um, let's see, when was this email sent? January. January 14th. January 14th. Um, what was that? That was right after book 40. Book 40. 
book 40. Oh, don't remember the name of it. Um, that's the one with uh, Markle. 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 Markle and Garfield. Myrtle and Gaffinillin. 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 Galfinian. I don't Galf- know. Gaffin. Garfield. Gaffin. <laughs> Gaffinillin. No. Anyway. Um, yeah, that was the one where we talked about Marco being a communist. <laughs> like, yep. by, by Marco communist. Um, because we were right. Because we were right. Um, Steve Rogers, Karina, sent us a fantastic email just sharing her thoughts about this book. Um, please, pleading us, ple- pleading with us to stop calling Gaffinlin, Garfield, and Goldfish. Because apparently he deserves better. We thought about it. I do want to say the reason that we call him that is because we're dumb and we can't remember how to say their names. Yeah, it's because we're And I don't want to say Galfinian because that feels worse. Like, that's just too... So calling him Garfield is funny. I have much love for these two characters in my heart. I just think it's funny to make fun of people's names because they're not real and they're aliens. Yeah, you know, she makes fun of people's names who aren't real. My name on the the Zencaster recording today is Reninian Spanker. Yeah. Reninian Spanker. I I love to do it. Mm -hmm. Every time she... I introduced myself in a group chat today. I introduced myself in a group chat today as as, uh, Jenny Slay. Slay Jenny. Hey y'all, my name is Jenny Slay. <laughs> Slay. Um. Oh yeah. Uh, also in this email, um, well, uh, uh, Corinne talks about how, uh, word of God, uh, because we talked about in this book, uh, uh, the fact that Tobias should have been able to morph to fix his problems in Megamorph Two, and apparently K. A. Applegate did a section called Catherine Applegate screws up, where apparently she just literally fucked it up, and and you can change your. He, she just forgot. That you could that you could demorph and, and restore your body. So there you go. <laughs> there you go. Alright. We talked about that. I remember we talked about that for a while on the episode. Um Yeah, and we were like, what in the Sam heck? What in the Sam Hill is that about? And after we put out that almost immediately after we put out that episode, we got a bunch We got of like three emails. Like, like, no 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 no, you don't understand. No no no. It's fine. <laughs> So we just, they just, everybody disproved our entire point of discussion immediately. Yeah, we were like, is it like some sort of plot element? Oh, yeah, we had a whole Is he like we temporally fixed? And then, no. And then, and then, and then the emails were just like, no. It was just typo. Okay, Apple just, Gate just screwed up. Just fucked up. <gasps> yeah. Um, so that's great. So that was great. Um, I love that they're married. I don't know about you. Yes. They are word you. of God married, according to this email. This restored my faith in Andalites a little bit. Because here's the thing. Every time an Andalite shows up on the scene, they're always like just a dick. Like they're always traitors <laughs> or evil or yeah. like a bad scientist or overpowered like Escafil. No, not Escafil. You know, the one. Um, and they just kind of suck, and and every time a sucky Andalite shows up, we're like, mm, we hate Andalites, and everyone we're like, no, don't hate Andalites, they're the best. But we have no, no, we're like, where? Where are the best Andalites? Where are they? All these bitches are bad. Show us a good Andalite. <laughs> these bitches are bad. These bitches be bad. And uh, here they are, a lovely married couple. Here's two gay Andalites. <laughs> and like okay so, so we've, we've got, got two, <laughs> two so 
but I don't know. For me, it, technically three with Axe. Technically three with Axe. Um, it just it lended some credibility to everybody's like, no, don't hit mm. on the Andalites. And it just made me really happy because we love any sort of queer rep. Definitely. Shame they couldn't put make it canonical in in the story, but it's Scholastic's fault. It's not Applegate's fault. It's fucking Scholastic. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, another thing. Uh, 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 we get a fun theory here, which is uh, 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 we have a theory that Myrtle isn't actually allergic to morphing technology. Uh, since that's never outright stated, they guess that's what it is, but Gelfinilin never confirms it. He's a transmask AFAB and not leaded into a Froly's body of his choosing after passing his tests at the Academy. That is a fun little theory that I like. That's a fantastic theory. I love that. Um, and that's kind yeah, of based. as far as I'm concerned. concerned. Heck yeah. Uh, also, uh, uh, the fact that this is Marco's book, I'm reading the email again. This is Marco's book, despite him textually having very little to do with the ultimate thematic plot, just leads me to wave si- signs about how Marco gets the obviously queer book around. <laughs> We're communicating in gay semaphore. Uh, I, I think that, that uh, there's something to do with that. Mm-hmm. That is true. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I agree. Go like this. Bico. Bico. Well, call me Bico. And also, uh, uh, He's literally just a guy. Just to reaffirm that. Yeah, just one more of the road. He's literally (laughs) just a guy. For real. Just some dude. Just some guy. We need that on a t-shirt. Oh, all right. I believe we have one more email here, uh, which I can take since you took the last one. Um, And I'm also going to read this one out loud. This is from Ashley Sari, um, and it's the test. It's about the test. Uh, It was sent... On Monday, actually. This Monday. And this is what inspired us to uh, do another episode like this. Do another yeah, Mallory we episode. Like, hmm, it's been a while. Um, it's been a while. Let's do this. Uh, we've got three good emails to talk about. Uh, hi, Jenny and Bryn. I don't know if you just didn't clock it, but I was so looking forward to your guys' discussion on what... Ah! And I had an earthquake. <laughs> I leaned back too far. Uh, I was so looking forward to uh, your guys' discussion on what I always thought was the most interesting part of this book. Tobias essentially admitting he became a Nothlete on purpose. Jenny read part of this where Tobias compares his weakness to the weakness he perceives in Taylor's motivation, but didn't comment on the most telling line. I don't know if the pages match up in the PDF, but in my print copy on page 91, it was beyond sad. It was beyond pathetic. Was I different or was I just like her? I'd trapped myself. Why? I hated Taylor because she knew. This comes right after he and Taylor discuss him being a tax on Nothlete, and Tobias narratively questions whether he intentionally overstayed the time limit as a hawk to avoid his problems. These lines come less than a page later, so they're in him admitting that yes, that's what he did. To me, this is why I disagree with Bryn that the antagonist of this book could be anyone. Tobias's self-loathing in this chapter doesn't just come from breaking under torture. It was breaking in that first mission and choosing, on some level, some of his conflict seems to be suggest that it was unconscious, or he somehow later comes to term with the fact that he was reckless with the timing on purpose, to stay in hawk form. When he's saying Taylor's reasons for being a controller were shallow and weak, he's talking about himself. Just like in The Illusion, Taylor and Tobias are foils in this book. We'd love to hear any thoughts you have on this and whether it changes anything about how you view those interactions with Taylor. Ashley. I'm very fucking sorry we missed that. That's a huge point. That's like, <laughs> we were very tired. We really and we missed were very, the whole crux of the book. We missed the whole crux of the book, and I'm really whole, fucking sorry. We were so sorry, everybody. We were, we're so tired. Okay, here's why we missed it. We were so tired, and this was the first episode we recorded in a month. 
so we're really really sorry that's a huge part of the book and we're really sorry that we missed that yeah i'm gonna come out right and say i was wrong this changes everything i was wrong 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 wrong. um my whole thing at the end of the book was that like i was disappointed that tobias and taylor like didn't seem like that there were foils uh in this book as they were in in the illusion and uh with it it's imagine what like three words can do to your entire outlook about a book. I'd trap myself. That changes literally everything because uh, I think you're mm. right. Tobias and Taylor are foils in this book um, because she intentionally trapped herself in in with with a head, and now and now like in the, in the test, they're both okay. In the illusion, they had this great dynamic where they were both kind of. He was like a hawk. His his identity as a hawk and as a person were melding, and he was he was really reconciling with that. And her identity as a girl and a year were melding, and she had to reconcile with that. And through this back and forth torture, they had a great foil. They had a great twisted relationship where they're mirrors of each other. And in this book, it felt like she was separating, and like they they just didn't have a connection in this book. But, like, this is the whole point of the book, is that he trapped himself. Is that he trapped himself, and now he has to live with that. And she trapped herself, and now she has to live with that because the year is taking over. Um, We are so sorry. I'm so sorry that I missed this. I will say, I do think this is a very important point that we missed, and we we fucked up there. However, I will maintain that this book is still not as, like, at least to me, is not enough of a one-on-one between... er, a one v one between the two of these two, to like make it hit as hard as the illusion did. No, that's I still agree. my opinion at the end of the day. I think no, I agree with you, but I do have to. I mean, I agree with you that it's not as good as the illusion, but I have to revise my point because this does change things. Right, of course, um, definitely. I think the reason that it doesn't hit as hard is because at the end of the illusion, I mean, we got into it. It was the illusion is beautiful, and it had this beautiful ending sequence of him accepting who he was and we had i mean there were like all of these queer allegories there were so many mm, it was just chef's kiss delicious it was so good i mean i thought the queer we both thought that the queer rep in that book was just like off the wall fantastic and we didn't get any of that in this book and i think because of his um i mean it didn't undo anything in the illusion but it just didn't expand on it which is where this book falls mm. short, you know? Yeah. I think it's it's part of it is because the illusion is just those two mm-hmm. for so long. So it's really in-depth, and it, like, it goes there. You know, it goes there. It has, like, the, the balls enough to, to immediately get to that point. And it's dark because mm-hmm. it goes there, you know? But the test, it, you know, I, I still think that Taylor's character is diminished. Uh, I think it's more simplified. And I think it's less interesting, which is a shame. Uh, I, I definitely think it's more interesting now that I, of course, know that one line, but, like, it's a shame anyway, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I do um, think that, um, like, I do think she would have been more effective as a character. There are foils in this book. I can acknowledge that. But I do think that they would have been more effective. She would have been more effective if she didn't show up in this book. If they this just wasn't a plot. Like you I think if you you can take this book 
out of the rotation, remove it from your mind, and it doesn't super change anything from their relationship. Um, yeah, and I think it's just there's too much plot. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like in the illusion, the reason why it sticks so much is not just because they go there and because it's dark. It's because, in all honesty, the plot is very simple. Mm-hmm. He gets trapped. He goes to the thing. He gets trapped in the thing. He escapes from the thing. But in the test, it's like, all right, he goes to the thing. They have to make this whole really complicated plan. They have to do the really complicated plan. There's a lot of steps to get involved. And, like, it's hard to do a character study as in-depth as the illusion was um, while also balancing the fact that you have this really complicated plan you need to pull off. Mm-hmm. And and I And I can get the argument of, like, well, that's just not the kind of story that the test is. The test is just a different kind of story. It's not a character study. But then it is. And and they have the same the similar language, but it just doesn't hit as hard because we do not have time to get into it yeah, with the and- same way we do with the illusion. Because time is literally suspended in the illusion. Mm-hmm. And and I think Taylor's presence automatic for Tobias, to- Taylor's presence automatically makes any book she's in a character study for him. Because they are foils, they are similar, they are enemies, and they are kind of the same person. So like you cannot have her and not make it a character study in some way. It's yeah. it's either going to be a great character study or it's going to be a bad character study. And that's that's just a fact. <sighs> that is unfortunate. Um, yeah. Ah, earthquake. I keep bumping things. Yeah, you bump I'm it. sorry that I'm bumping things. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway... Um, do you have anything else to say about this email before we, I mean, those are the last, that's the last email we have to discuss today. Mm-hmm. Those are mostly my thoughts for the test. Um, yeah, no, I think those are my thoughts. Heck yeah. Um, heck yeah. Thank you so much for sending that email, yeah. Ashley. And thank, thank you, Ashley. you to all of you guys for sending these awesome emails that make us think and make us discuss and make us revise because baby, that's life. Uh, and with books that are as serious as this, it's really it's really important to know context and definitions and stuff, especially when these books are about imperialism and trauma. It's important to get the whole story. Um, so thank you. Uh, but now, Bryn, I, I would like to ask you a question. Oh, okay. You go, Bryn, go ahead. Here's my question for you. Okay. Of the books that we've read so far, are there any that you want to change your rating on? Mm. Any that you want to improve? Or do you think have gotten, like, they've either gotten better with more context of the plot's elements, or they've gotten worse? Mm-hmm. Well, okay. Okay. I just changed my rating on the test. So, so yes. Test. I would That's s- good. That's one. rating on the test. Um, it's mm-hmm. a good question. You know, I don't know that I would necessarily change my rating on a bunch of them, but I do, I do have changed opinions on a lot of them. Um, I think. I think my opinions about the Horpizier Chronicles have changed, clearly. Um, 
I'm trying to think. It's been some. It's been so long since we've read some of these books. Hmm. Could I redirect this back to you and ask you? Because I feel like. Yeah. I feel like you might have an answer already, already prepared. I didn't have any time to prepare, so uh, <laughs> I feel like you have a question. No, that's good. I I also, yes, yes. Um. I think the reaction has gotten worse. That was my that's my big one. Oh yeah. The reaction. Yeah. The reaction's gotten worse. Oh, oh, and um the other other the other one that I have is uh shit. What's the one Finestri shows up in? It's the um the the threat. No, the not the threat. threat. The not the threat. Um it's the uh the warning the warning the warning i would i mean the more time that goes by without finestri showing up the lower i rate the warning because they're fucking edging me man they're fucking toying with me you're dangling this golden carrot in front of my nose of this character and you're not doing anything with him so Mm, those two probably no for sure um, I think, I think the, the, um, what was I going to say? What was I going to say? What was the, uh, the, the megamorphs where they go and they're chasing Vizzer 4? Um. Oh, that's, uh, Megamorphs 3? Yeah, I think that's gotten better. No, 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 lives. Megamorphs 4, back to before. No, 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 Megamorphs 3. Yeah. Yes. What happened in Back to Before? Oh, I remember. Back now. to Before is when they go back in time and they're like, "What if they never did it?" Yeah, I think um, I think Megamorphs Three has gotten better in my mind because it was like a good character study of kind of all of the characters under extreme stress, and it was just it was just really stressful but really fun, and I enjoyed Jake. Dunham. Yes, that's terrible to say. Um, but I did. Yeah, not even gonna lie. Um, I liked what that did. Like, I liked the study of what that did to all the characters. Like, it's just getting better the more that I think about it. Um, also, the great book, the attack is always going to be so good to me. Like, the, sometimes I just think about it and I'm like, mm, delicious. Like, it's just Definitely. so good. Mm. Howlers, yummy, and uh, it's so good. And like that scene. Where Jake's flying as he's like he's flying as a bird and demorphing and holding onto the the howler as they're both falling to their death and he's like absorbing the howler's thoughts and then immediately pulls up as a bird the howler splatters and he's got like all these emotions and he runs back and Cassie thought he was dead like the whole thing is just mm, so good so good like I think that's one of the best animorphs books that's not a megamorphs or a, a special to me yeah. Um, also, Mainline. the conspiracy just gets worse in my mind the more I think about it. Which one was that one? It was like all the fucking. Wait, the what? Tom deserved better than that. You know, oh, you know, that book. You know what I mean? <laughs> that book. The fact that I don't remember it is telling. Yeah, like it was such a good idea. I, I want this situation with Tom to be resolved with Jake, and it just felt like a lot of pointless angst, um, where nothing really got accomplished. 
I don't know. Mm. <sighs> yeah. That makes sense. And I'm excited to see what we think of the rest of the books. That's that. Okay, Jenny, I have a question for you now. Um, as we all okay, know... Okay, cool. What's the... your question? Mm-hmm. As we all know, the Chronicle books, like Fizzer, the Work with Jerry Chronicles, uh, they're never what we think they're going to be. <laughs> I'm so curious. What do you think the Elemis Chronicles are going to be like? Okay. I'm going to give you what I want to happen and then what's actually going to happen. Okay. <laughs> what I want to happen... Okay. This is what would happen in my wildest French vanilla fantasy. And this might sound fucking crazy. In my wildest dreams, David shows up. And it becomes an exploration of, like, time fucking with David. And the Elemist fucking with David. And being like, welcome to... You are Homura Akemi. Welcome to... uh, uh, You're trying to do time. And, like the alternomorphs are involved and you're stuck in this time loop and you gotta get out. And it's gonna involve the Andal- the 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 cryak in some way. But that's definitely not gonna happen. Um what I think is going to happen is that it's going to be a sort of exploration of what exactly the Elemist is and what Cryak is and Cryak's relationship to the Yerks. And and why, and and why when Jake died, or or when the Yerk and Jake's head died, why he saw Cryak and why Cryak saw him, and I think it's gonna be a mind fuck of a book, and I'm honestly really excited for that. I'm so excited because I don't think these these two do not they're like cute. They do not exist in a realm of space time that we can comprehend. They don't they don't do linear time. They are outside of time and space and all human concepts. So conceptually, I have it's going to be fucking wacky. It's going to be like that part in 2001 A Space Odyssey. Like, it's going to be memento. It's going to be weird. And I'm kind of really excited for that. Mm-hmm. But that's my prediction. But in my French vanilla fantasy, David shows up. <laughs> I just, I can't get enough of the guy. What a, what a character. I know you love David. I know you love David. Um, also, can I reveal something that I know is going to happen because I looked at the the, <gasps> the um covers of all the books? Okay, we might as well know, both of us. What is it? David's going to come back. What? David's going to come back. How do you know? What? Yeah, one of the one of the taglines is the sixth animorph is back and he's not happy. What book was it? I don't know. I, are you sure you don't know? I think it might be, it's a, uh, it is 48. It's a, it's a Rachel book, so maybe she'll have a good book. Um, oh my god. It's right after the Elemist Chronicles. <gasps> oh, um, I'm so excited. Shit. And can I also reveal another prediction? Okay, please do. I think book. I think book 46 is going to take us back into the alternate timeline. Why do you say that? Because Axe's morph here is a very similar outfit to Jake's morph on mm. his cover. 
for the familiar. Right. Mm-hmm. I think that's what's going to happen. Um, but yeah, uh, I think we're getting into the home stretch, and I think things are going to get very serious. Uh, but I personally think that the Elmas Chronicles, if we're getting back to the actual question you asked me, the Elmas Chronicles is going to get fucky. It's going to get weird. I'm, and so I'm really, really excited. Very excited. Well, the next question I was going to ask you, or maybe you're going to ask me this time. Um, it's time. Was if we think that, uh, like, just our predictions for the next, for the rest of the series. Like, I want to. How do you think the series is going to end? Because I know I have my thoughts. Here's my prediction for what the series is going to be, using the context clues of what's happened in the series so far. And the fact that the series finale is called The Beginning. Here's my prediction. And maybe maybe it's cheating to use the covers in that, but... I don't think prediction. so, because it's part of mine. I, I think Jake is going to sacrifice himself and reset the entire timeline. Okay, I was And make the same it thing. so none of it happened. No, I was thinking the same thing. That's my prediction. Somehow, yeah. through some sort of time fuckery, they're either... Either gonna set reset the entire timeline, or one of them are gonna are gonna go back to the beginning of the time and try to change what has happened for better or worse. Um, either way, maybe a future version of one of them will come back, mm-hmm. <laughs> like an adult version. Right, and either way, I think Jake is gonna sac- sacrifice himself in some way, um, and that's gonna have major consequences. I also feel like. Elfinger and his whole deal is going to have to come back in some way by the end of the book. Mm. You know, maybe not directly, just, yeah. just, 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 just the implication of his actions with the time peg um, is going to come back. And I, I, this is more like a French vanilla fantasy, but I would just want the Drode to come back. I want Drody. I want Rumpelstiltskin. I think Drody's gonna be a big part of the Elmas Chronicles, now that I'm thinking about him. You know? You could out. He's gotta be. What was that? Oh, I think the Drode is gonna be a big part of the, Hor- of the Elmas Chronicles. Mm-hmm. For sure. Can you hear my stomach yeah. growling? <laughs> I think I was that your stomach? That's my stomach. I haven't eaten anything today. Oh my god! You need to eat. Well, after we're done, you should go buy some food. (laughs) Okay. I'm not telling you to. That's a line from the play. That's a line from the Servant of Two Masters. Okay. Uh, There's like a part where I'm like, I'm like, I'm like rambling, and and uh, my friend Keegan, who played Florindo, Florindo is like. You're rambling. And I'm like, yes, I am bling. And then he's like, you need to eat. And I'm like, you are so perceptive. Because my entire character motivation up until that point has been wanting food uh, and needing to eat. And half of my language has been about how hungry I am. And I'm mm-hmm. like, you are so perceptive. And then he's just like, you should go buy some food. <laughs> so every time I feel hungry on my head, I just hear Keegan going like, you should go buy some food. <laughs> Maybe I should. Yeah. Yeah. Um, wow. Well. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I think this... I mean, we've made a lot of predictions about the end of the series in the last episode, but... 
Yeah. I think yeah. things are gonna get a little crazy. I hope so. It sounds interesting. Very interesting. Yeah, interesting. Interesting. Um. Hmm. Hmm. Do you have any more questions? Much to much to ponder. Much to ponder. Um. Uh, do you think your opinions about the elements are going to change? Maybe. Everybody says, like, oh, just wait until you read the Elements Chronicles. Oh, he's not that bad. Oh, or, oh, no, you're right, he's a dick. So people seem torn. People, the public, public seems a little torn about the Elements. Um, so I truly don't know. I have an open mind, but I would not, I would also not mind hating him for the rest of eternity. What about you? <laughs> I mean, I want to like him, and I think part of me will change my opinion on him, but I find it hard to, um, my, my, it's weird because anytime there's, like, a story where, like, awful things are happening to a character, and then they introduce a, a character with all-powerful powers, and it doesn't use those powers to end the suffering, I'm like, why? <laughs> you know, like, uh -huh. at least... At least Q. Q is like a bad person, you know? Like, Q is, is, is like a rebel. And like a, a Maki, not a Machiavelli, a, a, a Loki kind of character, you know? Q mm -hmm. is, is meant to be wacky and, and weird. He's not here to fix problems, he's here to cause them. Mm -hmm. You know, but the Elemist, he, he talks a big game about how he's here to fix the problems, but he actually doesn't. Not really. And, 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 you know, anytime there's, like, a character like this, I'm just like, why? Why, why aren't you fixing the problem? Mm -hmm. Why? What's the reason? A lot of my problems with some Marvel movies are like that, where I'm like, why? Why? Why aren't you? Why? You have superpowers. Why? Like, Batman can't fix every problem. He's just a man. You know? And at least Superman, I get why he's, he's trying. He's at least trying to fix all the problems. But, like... Why? <laughs> like, why can't you fix it? You know, like, so actually, no. With Superman, the reason why he can't fix it is because he's from Kansas. That's right. Not that people from Kansas are stupid, but that like he's not an all-powerful alien god. He's a guy from, from Kansas, Kansas who happens to have the powers of an all-powerful alien god. He's doing his best, okay? He's doing his best, Zack Snyder. <sighs> I will forever have rage in my heart for Man of Steel for completely misunderstanding the character of Superman. Mm. He's just a guy! It's not Henry Cavill's fault. I feel like we should How many times do I need to say this? Henry Castle? Castle. I said Cavill. I didn't say Castle. Oh, I thought you said Castle, and I was like, isn't Castle that show with Nathan Fillion? It is that show. My brother and I loved that show as a kid. Oh, we watched the whole thing. I did not. I yeah. was watching Once Upon a Time. <laughs> oh, we were watching that too. Don't worry. Um, everything comes with a price. Everything. Do you think we're gonna get some everything comes with a price bullshit? Um, yes. I do. I gotta say, I really my one my main thing with like the uh, Chronicles books is that a lot of times they will introduce characters that have no little to no actual bearing on the plot. They're just side characters that only appear in the Chronicles books. And most of the time, they're not great, and they don't really have much impact. Mm -hmm. And so I'm really hoping, in my French vanilla fantasy, the plot of the Elemist Chronicles 
ends up being just the Elemist, just Cryak, and maybe the Droad. Like, I'm really not into introducing a lot of new wild characters. Mm-hmm. I do I think feel like the most interesting if it's just show up, a power play with those two. Yeah, I, I have a feeling I don't know. the Elemist Chronicles is going to be a lot of the Elemist using the Animorphs as chess pieces. I feel like the Animorphs mm-hmm. are going to show up because that's what he does. They always do. Yeah. Um, yeah. Whack. Quack, quack, quack. Do you have any other predictions? Thoughts? Quack, quack, quack. Quack, quack, um, quack. What are my other predictions or thoughts? Alright, can I, I'm i gonna do a prediction for each of the books. Like a one-sentence prediction for each of the books. Okay. The Revelation. Marco realizes the connections between himself and his mother. The Deception. Axe realizes the deception of the Andalite government. The Resistance. Jake realizes what an importance that she will be to the future of the movement. The Elemist Chronicles. They have they play Uno. Uh, the Return. David shows up and maybe they actually ask the question, hey, maybe we did a bad thing. The Diversion. Tobias... Uh... What? Tobias, oh, oh, okay. My, the diversion. Tobias attempts to sacrifice himself to get out of this war and to finally end his suffering. It doesn't work. The ultimate. Cassie's parents reveal, uh, 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 learn the truth, and the the war becomes a public knowledge. The absolute. Uh, Visser one dies. The sacrifice. Axe dies. But not really. The answer. Um, we learn about the truth of what Cryak is, and Jake learns what he has to do. The finale, the beginning. Jake sacrifices himself. They reset the timeline, and no one ever goes through this pain. Those are my one sentence predictions for all of the remaining books. There you go. We'll see what happens. Some have of them folks. are a little vague, but. Yeah. All right. Well, well, I believe that might be it for all of us here. I know. I feel all like of I've, us in the studio. We've exhausted everything that we could possibly talk about. Um, interesting. We'll see what comes of it. Um. Oh. Okay. One last. One last topic. This is not. This is nothing to do with the Animorphs specifically, and like the rest of the series. This is a question that we want to pose to you, the audience. We want your feedback. A couple of things, if you will. Um, so Jenny and I have been talking. The series is kind of, it's waning. Uh, it's both ramping up and waning as we're approaching the finale, and we're gonna have a lot of stuff. We have a lot of stuff planned for the finale. Um. Um, and for after the finale as well for the Animorphs. Um, but after we're done with this season, we want to continue with the podcast. Um, so we're thinking about moving on to other books, series from the nineties, from our childhood, that kind of thing. Um, and we want to do that in a way that, uh, like, it's not confusing for listeners, because uh, we're called the Animorphs Book Club, but we might be reading things that are not Animorphs, so, like, it's going to be a whole thing. Um, would you guys be excited by the idea of us having a website so that you could go on there and, like, we would have 
all of our episodes for all of the seasons, like if we do different book series, we would have all of those separated so you can go in there. We'd also have some of our written thoughts. Um, we would also have like a Q&A page. So like if you wanted to, if you didn't want to like write out a whole email and if you're not comfortable with Twitter, you can go on our website and like shoot us a, like a little SMS message like it's 1998 um so we were just wondering if you guys yes. would be into that um yeah jenny do you have anything to add yeah um no uh, <laughs> <laughs> the one thing would be the one thing would be um the cost of maintaining a domain can sometimes be a lot so if we do a website it might pan out where we do ads on the show and I don't know if you guys, I don't know if there's, um, I don't know if it would make people mad. Like, I don't know if people would think we're selling out or, or anything. Mm-hmm. Cause I think a, a good part, a, a benefit of our podcast is that there's no ads and we just kind of talk straight through. Um, but that might have to be a reality if we do end up having a website. Yeah, we would have- However, it would be a great way to organize all of our seasons and, and stuff. Totally. Once we really get into the numbers. <laughs> yeah. So if we get into it, ads might be a possibility. Um, merch might also be an eventual possibility. Mm. Um, I don't know if any of you audience members might be interested in that. Um, we both draw fan art that we know we haven't shared with you guys um, that we could we could potentially turn into merch we also have sayings we have like a huge list of sayings from the show um including like he's just a guy um you know uh um that we can turn into merch so that might be a possibility um just think of like that we want to know what you guys think so if you guys want to shoot us a, like it doesn't have to be an essay just like a quick email uh with your thoughts or you can uh dm us on twitter or send out a public treat, tweet with, like, a chain if everyone wants to comment. Uh, that would be great. We would love to know. I don't know how Twitter works. Uh, we would love to know your thoughts. For real. For real. Yeah. Um, and it would be nice, because then you could... Just anything also... Oh, go ahead. Anything we can do to... Yeah, just anything we can do to improve the show. We're always looking to make it more entertaining to listen to and, and more... Um, Accessible. Just better yeah. as a podcast. Yeah. Uh, to be fair, we do we try our best with our limited budget and supplies. The fact that we're recording in two different states, um, and I edit over GarageBand, you know, like that's a whole thing. You know, it, it, we do our best, but 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 if there's anything we can do to try and just make it a better show for all of you guys, yeah. we'd really like to hear. Yeah, that includes um, quality things, um, you know website things um if you want to hear more from us like on twitter if there's like another segment that you guys um want to add to the show if you're thinking like we're missing something when we're covering the book and you're like oh hey you didn't talk about this thing you should have a segment for that um let us know we would love to hear it yeah and if there's anything we can do to make the show more accessible for you guys um please let us know that would be another a boon for the website that we wouldn't just have it on anchor on spotify on whatever we would probably also have the episodes living on our website so you wouldn't have to go through one of those portals um yeah so that's the whole thing so yeah please we'd love to hear your feedback always always and forever um that's my spiel jenny do you have anything else 
I have nothing. I've never said anything in my mm, life. So true. That's how I get. That's how I continue to struggle on. Mm, mm. Interesting. Um. Well, are you done with your cold one? Oh yeah, I finished it a while oh, ago. Okay. I'm honestly ready to take a nap. <laughs> I'm. I gotta take a shower and go to work. Um. Oof. oof. Well, this has been quite an episode, and we're very glad. That we got to do another one. I love these mailroom episodes. It's great to, to just talk and not have to do plot. Yeah, remember <laughs> when we were like, oh, and this is gonna get be a- into real analysis and stuff. Yeah, we were like, oh, this is going to be a short episode. It's like almost two hours. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, well, when you're talking about colonialism, you can't you can't skip true. out on That's the details, not like a half I guess. an hour episode. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. You're right. Um, but we really appreciate you all uh, for listening and tuning in. And, um, Cannot believe we're getting to the uh towards the end of the Animorph saga. It's I know. gonna be pretty crazy. Yeah. Um but we're really excited for the future and uh uh if you have any thoughts of your own, feel free to email us at the book club at gmail.com or you can send us a DM on Twitter, or you can add us on Twitter at Animorphin, that's A-N-I-M-O-R-P-H-I-N, or you can send us a voice message on Anchor. Those are always fun. All we ask is no spoilers, please and thank you. Uh, next week, we are going to be reading through book 45, The Revelation, with Marco, which we already got hyped about last week. Um, so yeah, uh, we'll see you all then. Uh, thank you for listening. Bye.